Hello and welcome to Who You Don't See, the podcast which celebrates the people behind the stars. In this podcast, we chat to people you might not have heard of, but who are key to making the magic happen. So it could be a songwriter, a fashion stylist, or a music video director. Basically, if they work towards building a household name, this podcast exists to celebrate their work. I'm your host, Megan Lawton, a journalist, broadcaster, and generally nosy person. And as you might be able to tell from the Jingle Bell Enhanced theme tune, this episode is a Christmas special, and I am so, so excited to be joined by celebrity hairstylist Miles Jeffries. The first time I worked with her is for the Christmas vacation. And, you know, we get to the house and, I mean, I was so nervous. I was more excited nervous. She just made it clear. She was like, we're here to have a good time. It's Christmas. Let's create some pretty hair. Let's go shopping. Let's go out in the town. Let's be out in the snow. It's beautiful. We were in Aspen and I love that. If you've celebrated Christmas on planet Earth, the chances are you are already familiar with Miles' styling because he's the man behind Mariah Carey's glossy mane, which, as we know, merrily invades our TV screens and social media timelines each December. He's only been a hairstylist for seven years, but in that time he's styled on several of Mariah's world tours, a Vegas residency, and been the stylist on her Christmas vacation. Not only does Miles work with the Queen of the Holidays, but Kelly Osborne, Tinashe, and Oscar-winning actress Angela Bassett. I zoomed miles from a drizzly London to his sunny home over in LA, where we spoke about the stress of wind machines messing up Mariah's bangs, and how Mariah deals with anyone not feeling quite festive enough on set. Thank you so much for doing this. We're doing this in November, but Merry Christmas to you because this is our Christmas special. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Thank you for having me. So let's start with the basics as we always do. If you and I got chatting in a bar and I asked you what you do for work, what would you say? I would say that I'm an artist. Yeah. Who at the moment is using hair um, as my medium. Wow. And I would be like, goodness, I'm not clever enough to chat to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think so often um, beauty professionals, I, I, I meet so many makeup artists. I work with so many makeup artists and have friends who are really multidisciplinary artists. You know, you, you end up doing this one thing that the world knows you to do, but we're so much more than that. Totally. It makes sense. I had a, a guest on Maria Asadi, a celebrity makeup artist. She was like, it's not makeup, I'm painting a face. Mm-hmm. So just like you're kind of constructing hair or whatever you would say with it. You know, I, I yeah, we're, we are constructing hair. And I, I love that you use that term because I think, you know, so often we're engineering. Um, so often, you know, we, bodies change, faces change. And the conversation will be a lot about like, okay, so what are we doing with the hair today? How close am I bringing the hair into the face? How far away from the face am I bringing? How wide is the hair? All those things are are the nuances that are not really talked about, you know? And actually, there's probably a science to it, isn't there? Reading, sure. effect, reading what works, what doesn't. Beauty professionals are really engineers and chemists, right? We have to understand what these elements are made of, what is their structure, what is their chemical compound, in order to know what to do with them. And as artists, we have to be ever-changing and ever-evolving. I come from um, uh, a performing background. 
I have a degree in theater and I performed for most of my life and hair, nails, makeup, all of that was kind of my first love, but really just more kind of like a geek out interest, right? It was just something I could I could geek out on. I remember like going to the wig shop or to the beauty supply with my grandmother and just being so obsessed with like the box of nail tips. <laughs> like, what about it? I don't, it was just, I think that I've always, I think, I think I was always attracted to transformation and beautification, mm-hmm. you know, like I could put lipstick on without a mirror. My mom, my mom tells me, my grandma to tell me stories of like the neighbor had beautiful shoes. And I think as a toddler, one day I had gone to the neighbors to play because we're in the yard and, you know, we're going in between the houses and in between the houses. And my mom says, here I come like stepping out of her, her like side door in her high heels. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I eyes on the prize, <laughs> eyes on the prize, honey. But I think, you know, to be an effective artist is kind of like getting back to that intuitive child and, and the freedom to create and play. With, and play. Yeah. Just play with abandon. I just love the idea. And when I'm mentoring people, I'm like, you really got to get into that, in, that childlike intuition, you know, like, okay, for example, with Mariah Carey, here I am. So a little bit about my history. I, again, I come from a performing background. I've always done hair, but I really started focusing on hair um, as a career, as like my main art form, um, really not that long ago. How long what, are we talking? Give us an idea. So about seven years ago. Okay. So you'd had this background in theater and then you kind of, was there a moment that you thought, actually, no, all those years of looking through magazines and always thinking about hair and I don't know, say so you're out and about with your girlfriends and looking at their hair thinking, I'm amazed by this. Was there a moment you thought this is going to be my job now? I think so. So I'm 40. So at, at, and, and that doesn't matter in terms of starting a career, but so, so if we backtrack like eight years, let's say I was at a point um, where I just needed to kind of choose something to make my focus and I just was at a point where I thought, all right, hair has always been there. Beauty has always been there. And why not just see what happens if you focus your attention on that? And the universe really lined it up in a powerful it absolutely way. absolutely did. So you are on this podcast because you are a hairstylist or a hair artist, scientist, engineer, working behind the stars. You do this day in, day out. Give us an idea of the kind of people you've worked with since you've embarked on this hairstyling career. So some of my favorite, favorite, favorite moments, you know, meeting meeting and working with Angela Bassett. She has this stillness that was incredible. And, you know, you're coming into someone's space like that. And I, I don't care how experienced you are. I think you're always going to just come in like really wanting to do well. And she kind of diffused the energy in a way that made me feel so comfortable that all of the worry, all the fear just kind of like fell away. And I yeah, felt, calmness. yeah, and it's just so important to have as the talent that I'm collaborating with, because then the, the lines of communication are really open. And so it's not always, that's not always going to be the case every Every, every artist I collaborate with or work for or do their hair is not always going to have that temperament. So I took that piece and that is, that is something that I will bring in 
And, um, you know, Mariah Carey, I just threw a couple referrals and it was really quick. Met I'm going to have to ask Carey. you some questions about Mariah Carey because even the idea of putting a hairbrush through her hair makes me nervous, makes me anxious. The first time you met her, did you feel at all starstruck? My goodness. I, absolutely. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and again, I think to be able to like work with, work with um, icons you, you do she have to have an icon. Icon. Say everyone's an icon, but she is an icon. She is an icon. Like, you know, they broke the mold on that one. I mean, there's several icons, but it's like Mariah Carey is her own stamp, her own mold. They broke the mold. Okay. Luckily it was her. It, the first time I worked with her is for the Christmas vacation. Okay. okay? So this is an exciting day already. <laughs> Christmas vacation. And I, you know, we get to, we get to the house and, um, I mean, I was so nervous. I was, I was, I was more excited, nervous, because yeah. if you can imagine like 10 year old miles with like, and going to dance lessons and driving all over Los Angeles and spending most of our time in the car, um, singing lessons, piano lessons. And my mother only played Mariah Carey, Luther Vandross. Um, Tony Braxton, you know, I could like I could go down the list of like true R and B mega iconic mm -hmm. singers, and Mariah Carey was in heavy rotation. Um, just coming in with like, like meeting someone that you never thought would be in your immediate reality. No, I hate someone you've admired and adored for years, and then suddenly it's like, okay, here's a hairbrush, give it a little comb. <laughs> yeah, and I and I knew, you know, I had to have a like, I I sat myself down and we had a chat, and it really wasn't dramatic. It was just that, you know, I knew I said, okay, thank you, universe, this is incredible, and I'm just going to show up and do my best, be myself, okay, show up did. and do my best. Kept going back with her. She keeps getting you back. <laughs> oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's, she also has a very special way of like bringing you in and like letting you know, like, it's fine. You know, she strikes me as the kind of person who has like total star status. And I mean, I've only ever seen her on telly and on music videos and whatever, but absolute presence and this essence of like, I have been gifted from above. Like I, I, I've never smelled her, but I imagine she smells incredible. Like, is she like that to work with? <laughs> she, she, she's just very special. I love and adore her. Um, you know, I think you, it's gotta be, it's just so difficult living a life like that, that is so public. And what, what I was so impressed by was how, how really how human she was, you know, there, there was, Right off the bat, there was no drama. There was no, um, she just made it clear. She was like, we're here to have a good time. It's Christmas. It's to, we're here to be festive. Let's just have a good time. Let's just, let's create some pretty hair. Let's go shopping. Let's go out in the town. Let's be out in the snow. It's beautiful. We were in Aspen and I love that. And like, you know, she's very specific. She is very specific. I mean, she's been doing this for a long time. And she gives you, you know, she gave me all of the hints. She gave me all of the clues. And gave me so, a few kind of tips and tricks that she kind of said to you. Is it like I, my hair looks best when it's more volumized? I don't know. What kind of things was she oh, saying? Oh, yeah, totally. So like, you know, when we're playing with texture, uh, you know, some days she'll want more than others. And, <laughs> you know, like one day she came in and she said, darling, it's just, we're just going to have to go bone straight today. Just bone straight. Just <laughs> like, I okay. don't know what, yeah, 
Great. I love you say it. the word, I'll do it. Uh-huh. Next day she might come in and she's like, just give me, give me volume, give me, you know, emotion. You want give her me, iron. Yeah. And I'm like, great. I have all the irons on, everything is here, ready to go. Whatever you want, I'm delivering. <laughs> Whenever I hear the first few chords of all I want for Christmas is you, I don't know, there's just like this injection of festive fizz that goes through my body and I'm like full on in holiday mode. Absolutely. Can you listen to that song without shuddering? Do you every time you hear it think, oh my goodness, have I put enough product on her fringe? Or, oh God, did I use too little product? I'm very focused on, you know, it's kind of like for me doing hair, the actual application of hair, the discussions around hair are like the business part of it. But once I'm like in creative mode, once I'm executing the design, it's like a meditation for me. So it's important, you know, to kind of be engaged and, you know, if there's conversations being had, then you, know, you want to be in them. But for me, it's like, I kind of check out. And what was great about, what is great about my relationship with Mariah is that we're so comfortable with each other now um, that she kind of looks away. Whereas in the beginning, you know, you're watching, you want to make sure that the person is doing what you want and whatever your little, you know, the little um, uh, specifics that you want with the hairline or whatever, you know, I like my, I like the hair to be like this or just pointing those things out. We're beyond that. So she trusts me and I get to go into that meditative creative space um, because sometimes we're having to do hair like in 30 minutes. Uh, so it's just a and great in those moments. I mean, it sounds like over the years you're able to relax around her, but when you are there and maybe you've got tight time schedules and you're working with this icon who you know that her face is going to be seen by millions of people that day. How do you keep yourself calm in those moments and kind of overcome the, the pinch me momentness of it? And the, the Honey, it's after the moment, it's after the moment that you relax and you exhale. <laughs> You've got a skin in your hand. <laughs> I mean, I can't t- listen. I mean, we were, we, for two and a half years, we were all over the world. And so I, you know, every show, it doesn't matter. Back, they could be back to back. It could be the same hair. Um, when you're doing hair for lot for a live show, you know, and this this goes back to my theater my theater training. You get it dialed in as as best you can, but once that person walks out on the stage, it's out of our it's out of our control. Yeah. Um, so it's you've also got the wind machines. You got the choreography. Oh, 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 and trust me, I was adjusting those wind machines regularly. I would sometimes she would go out on the stage, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, wait a minute, hold on, I'm running across the front of the stage. I'm turning the fans down. We're getting them adjusted." But all of that is exciting to me. I mean, it is kind of stressful at times, and it can be it can be tense. But it's also really fun. Like that's the yeah. fun of it. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. You have the, a realization moment where you're like, "I'm not saving lives here. We're making art. We're entertaining. We're making art. This is joyous." I remember that. So for one one tour, she had like a you know like a like a long side bang. <laughs> she walked out on the stage, and I know she was getting hot. And so she walked in front of the in front of the fan, and I looked up at the at the at the big screen, and I was like, "Not the bang." <laughs> <laughs> Save the bank. Save the bank. <laughs> Turn the fan off. <laughs> Not the bank. <laughs> so on a tour, are you there kind of like in the front row, not in the front row, but like side of stage, kind of just like watching, like praying that that hair oh, stays yeah. in place? You know, and it's like, you know, yes, you, you're always watching it. You're always tweaking it. You're always adjusting I think I think live uh, performances is when you really learn who you are as an artist. 
and what's important and what to let go of. It's like, you know, you also have to be really gentle with yourself because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of opinions. Okay. Yeah. And big opinions, honey. And, and you're the one in the room. Sometimes only the three of us make up hair and um, the artist with the internet, honey, I've been dragged. I have the trolls have come out again. It's just about what's important. And you do not know what's happening in the room. Yeah. Well, well, we'll revisit that, the trolls thing you mentioned in a minute. I want to speak to you about the collaboration process. So mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned it there. You've got you doing the hairstyling, you have a makeup artist, maybe you've got costume as well. What kind of conversations go on? Because Mariah often, I don't know, in Christmas, will have like one of those kind of big hoods and like a Santa-esque hood and her curls will kind of flow out around it. Will you know that already when you're showing up to work that day that you're kind of going to be working with a hood and or how does how does that all kind of work so when we're preparing for a tour you know there's a lot of design involved and i think sometimes hair and makeup will be kind of an afterthought because of my background in performing um and just and also i worked as a wardrobe stylist for a short amount of time so i've literally done everything i know that it's important to jump in the conversation so um you know, I want to know like what the creative direction is because then we're not limited, you know, to just doing the same thing. Sometimes you do come back to the same thing again with a star that big and someone who has, um, has had a, had a particular identity for so long. There's really not a lot that'll change. Uh, we'll try to push it. We'll try stuff and we'll look at it later. And, you know, Mariah might be like, Hmm that's weird. That didn't work the way that we wanted it to, or, <laughs> and then we make an adjustment, right? Yeah. You're like, learning. Oh my God. I'm so glad that we took this risk because it's epic, you know? Yeah. And it might be something really small. It might be like the difference between like a smooth hairline versus a little lift. Like it's just those little things. But for some reason you look at it and you go, you have, you have that aha moment. And, and again, back to trust, you know, there are times when depending on how somebody feels, you may not be able as the artist, uh, as the hair artist or makeup artist, be able to um, do your thing, fully flex, you know, and you have to be, I have to be okay with that. I have to be okay. And I, with- I understand that from their perspective as well. Like it's all, you're ultimately, it's all being done to you, whatever mm-hmm. your hair looks like, whatever your mm-hmm. face looks like, you're the kind of face of it. So if you're not feeling it, then it, you kind of feel maybe a bit imposter wearing a costume that doesn't quite belong to you that day. Well, that's the key. You just said feeling it. Yeah. No matter what we do visually, it all comes down to a feeling. It all comes down to what's happening internally. You know, and I think we're super highly critical of entertainers specifically. And you just really don't know what's going on. And this is, this is for anyone. Sometimes you don't know what's going on with someone. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So when you are getting Mariah ready for one of the big Christmases, Christmas performances, and you know, maybe if it's like a live performance, there's, that's going to be streamed on TV, there's going to be like millions of viewers across America, and then probably will live again on YouTube and pop up on all our Instagram timelines. Is there an extra element of pressure on a shoot day like that? Can you kind of feel it? Or is it just business as usual? We've done it before and we'll do it again. I think a little bit of both. Again, many variables. Time is not always on our side. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think you just do your best. Um, but yeah, Liz, ugh, my goodness. Like, 
depending on the platform, that's going to determine choices that you make, you know, what kind of hair that you do, what kind of hair I do. Madison Square Garden was epic. I mean, yeah, so tell uh, me about a day like that. Where are you running you know, around like crazy? Listen, so, oh, it was very tedious. I mean, New York has that energy, you know, and I, I, it was the last uh, venue, the last night of, of the Christmas tour. And everybody just wants to be great. She wants to be great. The beauty of that night was there was a quiet moment, right? That moment where she had total trust in me and I got to fully flex. And I want to say that that was some of the most beautiful hair that I've done. Wow. And yeah. And I was just so grateful for that. I was really overwhelmed as someone who is not always, you know, I think that, I, so I'm an African-American male who's also gay. Um, I'm also, I appear to be mixed race. So I'm very clear that um, the way that I look influences uh, people's prejudices or what they think my limitations might be or what my skills might be when I walk into the room. And I don't, I've never had the kind of um, like an imposter syndrome feeling. I've never had that. I've never had like the, I mean, I, everyone has like a fear of failing or feel of fear of not doing well. I think for me, it was always kind of like knowing that lots of assumptions are going to be made. And this is not something that I've made up in my head. I mean, I will literally have people comment and say things to me and I'm like, did you hear what you just said? And to I, your face, these people are saying oh, to you. Or like, you know, yes. I mean, I won't get I won't get into specifics and who and all that because that's not important. But the important the, the key and all and what I'm saying is that I've always kind of been the one to stand out all my life. Living in a very white world, especially in, in, in the beauty industry. You know, I love my I love the industry. I love the creativity. There there are a lot of prejudices. And a lot of there's a lot of ignorance when it comes to beauty. And one of the big um, uh, dividing factors is the you know black hair versus white hair kind of yeah. notion of separation. Um, it, it, it's really infuriating, and you know have, having to kind of navigate navigate that, and you know people just thinking that you're not going to do the hair the way that they want it done just because I'm black. Yeah. Do you think perhaps people see you as a black guy and think, well, he wouldn't know what he's doing with a white artist hair? Are we For sure, sure. That's the right guy? That's horrible. Absolutely. You know, Kelly Osborne is another one of my clients and we were just working together the other day and we were talking about this. Um, in her world, if I could do her hair all the time, that would be her dream. The reality <laughs> is, you know, I have multiple clients and I can't be on Kelly every day. <laughs> I love her. Sorry, Kelly. Sorry, Kelly. Um, but, you know, we talk about this and she just the other day said, you know, I was giving her a ponytail and she's like, yeah, so like the little lift and she's like, make it a little tighter. And I'm like, not abusive, but a little tighter <laughs> is good. <laughs> we still want some hair to play with later. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she says to me, she says, you know, I find that um, hair artists who know how to do black hair are the best hairdressers. And really, you know, it really comes down to just having, just culturally, there being a lot of freedom 
uh, in the black community with playing with different stuff. I mean, at week to week, you know, growing up black women, they would have their hair different. It'd be long, it'd be yeah, down to the floor. So, it'd yeah, be a Tony Braxton little pixie cut. It would be, and nobody cared if you knew if it was real or fake. You know, it was like, you want to make it look as good as possible. You want it to look real, but clearly last week you didn't have 32 inch hair. Okay, <laughs> It's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. So I think, you know, you just have to be so well-versed and it's, it's just really mind boggling that, that the assumption with all that is that you won't be able to do it. Now, granted, there is a certain level, uh, there's a ceiling I think that's reached and some people don't have access to um, spaces that will train the eye to be able to see certain subtle nuances. Like I was very intentional about, so, okay. So our little secret is that I was doing hair for a long time without a license. Not since I focused on it as a career move, right? So the My first thing I knew, sealed. lips are sealed. And whoever's listening, you can come uh-huh. for me, honey, but it won't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have the receipts now. Um, so, I, so when I decided to make hair the, my career, I knew, okay, so I've been doing hair all these years for decades, right? Now we're going to get legit. It's not just going to be a little side, you know, passion project kind of, kind of job. Um, we're going to be, we're going to get serious. And so I went to the Vidal Sassoon Academy here in Santa Monica because I knew that my training in like black salons was limited when it came to coloring, especially. It was clear to me at the Sassoon Academy that, okay, so I have all this experience with black hair. It's gonna be very beneficial for me to get experience with white hair. So I was very intentional about that. So I was in a very white space in the beginning of my training. And even the salons I worked in were salons that primarily focused on white hair and all its variations, even some of them being very similar to black hair, but that's another podcast and a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that and the, the end of that conversation is that hair is hair, right? And depending on where you are in the world and who qualifies as white and black and other or whatever, the hair usually, if you just looked at hair, it would be, you would never know what somebody's ethnicity or, or background was sometimes. It's like, it's all over the map. Hair is hair. Um, and that became, yeah, I think that's like, I think back to structure, back to building, it's like, where are you going to learn how to do a weave where, you know, a hair weave, where are you going to learn how to do some major hair extensions and create magic that's in the black community? Yeah. 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 And probably the skills now that you practice day in, day out, regardless of who's sitting in front Mm -hmm. of you in the chair. So it's the mayor, it's marrying both of those worlds. And I, you know, I was meditating early on and talking to my mom and my grandmother and, and the powerful women in my family about like, what, I, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? This, these things haven't worked. And when I said hair, all of it, they all lit up and they were like, yes. And I had major support. And the, my mom was like, well, what's your intention? What, what is your intention going to be? And I told her, I'm going to do my best to bridge the gap. You know, yeah. I have white assistants, I have black assistants and I look at what their strengths and weaknesses are and I let them know this is where you need to pull up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And ultimately they're going to have your name attached to them. So you've got to be confident in Mm -hmm. in what they're about. You were mentioning there about that moment with Mariah on Madison square and you got quite emotional because she'd, she'd let you be free. Yeah. I just, you know, again, it was about crossing over, but I've had a couple of moments like that. I remember the first time, um, 
so when she went back to Vegas for the butterfly returns, I was, I was the hair guy for that, for that residency. And I've just had so many life's experiences. I mean, I'm, I'm coming to hair and making it my focus was kind of me turning my life around. Um, which adds a whole nother layer of emotion. And I, and I want to, we're not going to have a boohoo fest here, but I was standing on the side of the stage and I think she was singing can't let go. And I just looked at the audience. I looked at her and I had that like God, like I had that pipeline. God like an out body thing. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. This is, a, this is, yeah. And so Madison square garden was like, you're exactly, this is exactly what you were supposed to be doing. I think I always knew that I was going to be with major people in major spaces. Okay. And so, right. So Madison square garden was like, well, miles, you're at Madison square garden. What did I you met, expect? What, and I mean, we go out for the little touch up moment. Right. So it's not like, yeah. Tell me know, about that. I saw uh, on your Instagram. There's pic- you have to go on stage. Do you? It's so much fun. And she, she's so witty and funny and she knows how to make a moment, honey. It's like, yeah, every show she built in this, um, uh, a touch up, a glam moment. Yeah. I mean, it's very Being important. Moment. It's very important, darling. You know, um, it's just very special and it's very fun. And she would, you know, there are little inside jokes that she might, that she might use in that moment. And so it's just like, it's for us in front of, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And if it's broadcast millions of people, but it's really special. Does Mariah love Christmas or have we pigeonholed her and Michael Bublé into this pocket of festivity? Honey, (laughs) she lives for Christmas. I mean. This is so comforting to hear. It's not all an act. (laughs) She, no, it is. No, it is not an act. You know, it's, I think, I think that's one of the, one of the things about Mariah that (sighs) she really is. She really is who she is. You know, it's like, that is not what, what we see um, obviously is a, is a curated version, right? What she wants us to see, yeah. but knowing um, the more private Mariah, and obviously I don't know how far she's brought me into her private life, but I mean, we've, again, we've, we've traveled all over the world. It's been very intimate for a long time. I mean, Christmas is major. I think in her book, she talks about, you know, what her childhood was like. And so Christmas for Mariah is, and, and the way that she goes about celebrating and, and the family that she wants there, she has her children and kind of what she's, what the memories that she's creating for her children um, is to change the narrative, right? It's kind of it's like, authentic. it's all authentic. Yeah. You know, she, she did not, she wants her children to have a different experience than she had growing up with Christmas. Mm-hmm. So she is making it 100% festive no option and you know funny back to back to the christmas holiday trip <laughs> there was someone who you know wasn't quite feeling it and she looked she straight up was like honey it's christmas you're gonna have to work out whatever that is because we're only festive here oh my goodness <laughs> right all year long i love that <laughs> we're festive so some of the days you describe sound like great days at work. They're solid days at work. Everything's gone to plan. I'm sure you, is, isn't the case for you, but 
do you ever get bad hair days not with yourself when you're styling with a client and it, it just won't do what you want it to do or are you immune to them um listen everything is not going to go to plan you know <laughs> like i've definitely had some hair that's gone out that i'm like wow yeah. <laughs> uh yeah we're not gonna do that again um but it, but you know i i have to be gentle with myself like and you just yeah. go back and you say what were the elements that led to this <laughs> what were the events what were the events that led to those choices and we not go back there <laughs> it's like police investigating a crime scene okay like, so this listen, this so many so many photos pop up and i'm like mm -mm, i'm not i'm not posting that no that <laughs> delete untag 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 <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about a world tour. How, I don't know, enjoyable is a world tour? Frantic, stressful is a world tour? Because, I don't know, I think about most of most of us, we, we go to our office day to day and we know who's going to be sitting there. We know what equipment's going to be there, or, I don't know, our laptops or whatever it is you're working with. With you guys, when you're on tour, you're in a different venue most nights and you're probably going from time zone to time zone. And yet the standard has to be maintained every night. Girl, I can't tell you how many electronics failed me. Um, <laughs> like you, I, I have I have had to figure the power situation out in a crunch. I mean, thank God we were in and we were in Asia. Where were we? We were in we were in yeah we were in Asia. And I thought that I I mean I did my best to have all the different kinds of plugs and converters and this and that and burn up a couple uh curling irons not not using them before we even used them we found out that it was a no-go um so no hair was destroyed but <laughs> but yeah i mean that that was very stressful sometimes Call, like, calling down to the hotel this curling iron is not working the blow dryer is not working we're late we're doing you know and i remember being not speaking the language my tools wouldn't work so we had already glammed her uh prior to arriving um uh, arriving at the venue but I needed to do the touch-up, obviously. And then after the performance, I needed to do the touch-up. And there was a hair person who lent me their tools. You're like, thank you. <laughs> honey, honey. I, I mean, if I could find that person and send them the biggest box for Christmas, it would be like, <laughs> I don't even know who they, you know, I don't even know who they were because it was just kind of like, you know, our, so our, in our interpreter. Well, it was just like, there were so many layers of disconnect. I just saw the person, like he'd be like here, and I'm like waving, you know, from a distance, like thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're rushing, and so you know, the tools are just handed to me, and then I handed them back to um, the people taking care of us. And you know, you're just like that energy is, you know, that those are gratitude moments. Yeah, good karma. I guess when you're sort of all on the road together, there's a sense of like camaraderie, and you're all in it together. Yes, but people do get on your nerves sometimes. Okay. Oh, that does not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise. Me. I love my colleagues, but do I want to travel with hey. them for six weeks? No. <laughs> yeah, it is not for the week. Mind, body, soul. You know, you got you got to keep everything in check. Healthy food, best you know, to the best of your ability. Sometimes you're not sleeping you know, for two days straight or not comfortably, it's, it's, it's tedious. I, I yeah, find it exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'm exhausted. I'm not going to lie. You're, you're exhausted. Um, but each but, time they offer it to you again, you're always, you do it. Yes. You do it. 
Oh my God, I'm like calling the trainer, like, let's get in shape, honey. Let's lose some pounds. Let's get ready for I'm going on to. Uh -huh. And then you come back, dragging your kid back into the house. <laughs> you know, like, why did I do this? But the memories, it's the memories. It's it's the experiences, it's the memories, it's the, it's, it's the love, it's the excitement. It's getting to go places that I never would have even thought to go on my own or maybe even have the resources to go. It's really incredible. I mean, I've been... Mariah has taken me, like I said, all over the world. She's given me experiences and, you know, like locations, yes, but conversations and yeah. and funny stories. We laugh a lot. She's very funny. And so, you know, that like my best friends, we became best friends because the comedy ran yeah. so deep. I mean, it's like... <laughs> I just love to laugh. I think that there's so many serious moments. It's like we have to, at some point, we have to find humor and humor in, in what we're doing and not take ourselves so seriously. So it was great to be able to have that with her. And, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes I, I think to myself, like, I wonder if we met under under different circumstances. Like, will we be friends? Like, will we be best friends? Or, you know, you get into all that. And uh, yeah, I'd say yes. Do you still love watching her perform? Has that never got old on you? That sort of... I don't know, however many performances she does on a tour every night, you're still there, side of stage. It never like, gets old. Mariah. It never gets old. You know, um, a performer and a singer of her caliber, uh, you're never going to get the same thing, the exact same thing twice. Yeah. And that's the really exciting part about Mariah is that she's such a skilled songwriter. She's such a skilled, consummate performer. Uh, she has a massive career, but we've talked about it where it's like, people don't really think of her as a songwriter. You know, yeah, it's like good. she's written almost every song that she's ever sung, whether it be on her own or if she's, or she's co you know, she's, she's co-written a song. And so that's incredible. What a massive gift. And so it's exciting to see someone and to be able to support someone in sharing their gift with the world. Yeah, it's precious. So when you look back on over all the memories you've had together, or I don't know whether it's the music videos you've got her ready for, the whole array of performances you've got her ready for. Is there one day at work that stands out to you that you're like, me at my best? I mean, that might be Madison Square Gardens, but just like the cherry on top of your career. I really think, I think it was Madison Square Garden. I think that, yeah, that was just, it was such a special moment for me. Um, again, the hair was gorge. Um, she was gorge, but, you know, again, beyond that, you know, like the moment itself, you know, what she was, you know, the things that, the things that we were kind of able to work out in private, you know, that she was maybe concerned about and then seeing her go out there and absolutely smash it. It was just really exciting. I think that she was vocally at her, at, at she was vocally at, at her best that night. So you got a very special performance and some variation and changing melodies here and there just slightly and it's like when you've heard the music that much when you when you watch someone perform it and it's like the little things the little things yeah. that maybe most people would not notice and you're like I was there for that um um I'm gonna go watch that performance after we get off this thing <laughs> um let's I'm gonna be naughty flip the question on its head that's one of the best days at work ever. What does a really bad day at work look like? Or can you think of the worst mm, day at work you've had? I'm sure that I've had an awful day at work. <laughs> like, they're all not great, again. Maybe <laughs> maybe it's my perspective on them where I'm just like, okay, this was a learning opportunity where I didn't really yeah. feel 
super defeated. I think, I think more, you know, yeah, I think that, I think you're not, you, you don't always win, right? In terms of like knocking it out the park. Yeah. So I don't really, there isn't really like, there isn't really like one horrific moment. Not even when you can get the curling tongues to work in Asia. <laughs> not even when you can, you know, because you just make it happen. You know what I mean? Because you're such a pro. <laughs> 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 right, those lyrics, honey. You got to make it happen. Yeah. Let's focus on the good again. I want to know what it feels like when, say, you are seeing that Madison Square performance, which is probably all in the papers and magazines the next day, probably absolutely spammed all over your Instagram feed. How does it feel in those moments knowing that like you had a role in that and you helped create that magic moment that has now traveled around the world? Oh, I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I think I think you go after this kind of work, you know, wanting to um, wanting your work to influence the masses and be an inspiration. When it happens, though, you do get this overwhelming feeling where you just feel like you're being washed with like confirmation and and. Um, you know, it, it just, it's just an all over feel good feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even the trolls, you know, it's like, honey, if they're not talking about you, then you must not be doing something right. <laughs> if they're <laughs> talking the about answer. you, if they're talking about you, you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. So when trolls, you mentioned trolls earlier and they're coming for you, are they coming for you or just oh, like, honey, honey, they, you know, and I don't know who they are, but, again, having, having work, you know, not the first time that you start working for an icon or somebody that has a, a you know, a, a very wide reach, you're going to get all kinds. You're going to get people who love you, who love your work. And you're also going to get people again, who think they're the expert, yep. um, critiquing the work and even tagging the art, you know, like there was this one moment where like on a daily basis, I was getting um, inundated with tags on Twitter and, and all over the place of like, you know, Miles is definitely on site for doing this hair and da 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 And I'm just like, oh, girl, you weren't there. You don't know what was going on. Yeah. And maybe, like, let's take a moment. It is just hair. Like, mm. it, ultimately, there are more important things we can care about. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. With all that's going on in the world, you're worried about this hairline, honey? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a reality check here. You're worried about these waves? Girl, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so looking to the future, you have already achieved so much, work with so many amazing people. Is there anyone out there who you're like, I want to do your hair. I want to do a world tour with you. Anyone on your list? I would love to really move into um, film and television and press tours. And, you know, and I, I've done music. I feel like I have that. And I would love to go on like a press tour with an actress or, um, you know, yeah, I think that, I think that Viola Davis would be fun if she, if she did a film or, you know, I think that'd be great. Carrie Washington seems like she'd be great to work with. Laura Harrier. Yeah. It's unlikely any of them are listening, but if you are, then you know who's hit up. <laughs> and that's the sh- you know, like it's like the list can be vast. I'm just I'm just staying really open. I think I, yeah. I think I was so focused on wanting to work with specific people, and and you know it, it works out when it works out. But I'm really focused on putting out uh, work that I want to see. Um, for me, this next chapter 
my intention is going to be to just start creating what I want to see. We always on the podcast, and you've kind of started on this question already, with a bit of advice that you have been given during your career. Perhaps it's someone you've styled, someone you've worked with, but just a solid bit of advice that you want to share with everyone because you think everyone's lives would benefit from having this piece of wisdom in it. I'm going to say Mariah gave me some really good perspective just about like criticism. I think when we were talking about it and she is, she is definitely someone who has received a lot of criticism. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's whatever makes you happy period. And people are going to have their opinions and people are going to say what they will. Um, but am I happy? Am I happy doing whatever it is? And I think that anybody to someone who is thinking about breaking into the industry, um, I would say that you, school is never out for the pro. Um, stay in a position of learning and you, you will have a career forever. Well, Miles, you have been the Christmas gift that came early. Thank you so, so much. It's been so great to chat to you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. A massive thank you to Miles. What a total joy he was. If you want to stalk his work, you can find him on Instagram at Miles Jeffries Hair. I also want to say a massive thanks to you for listening and for supporting the podcast so far. If you're wondering what you can get me for Christmas, I'd love nothing more than for you to subscribe and review this podcast on whichever app you use to listen. We won't be back next week as we're taking a little break over Christmas, but rest assured, who you don't see will return in the new year. So in the meantime, have a very Merry Christmas and I'll see you in 2021.